Hello and welcome to episode 37 of Late Night Linux Extra. I'm Joe. And this time I'm joined by Chris from Linux After Dark and a guest called Adam Dean. Now Adam is a Fedora user who uses GNOME and he wrote into us and said that we'd been slagging off GNOME too much and that he wanted to come on air and defend it. And it's funny that off air, the Linux After Dark guys had been discussing GNOME and we thought about discussing it on air, but ultimately we didn't want to just be negative about it. And so when Adam wrote in, I thought, hey, this is a great opportunity. Chris has been trying out GNOME with Fedora Silverblue and really living with it. And so let's have this discussion. Let's have the conversation. Something that Adam mentioned in his initial email was that he does have a book to his name called The Linux Administration Cookbook, which I'll put a link to in the show notes. Before we get into it, quick bit of housekeeping. There won't be an episode of Late Night Linux Extra on the 2nd of January. It would normally come out that Sunday, but I wanted to take a break because of the holidays and everything. But don't worry, all the other shows are going to continue as normal throughout Christmas and New Year and everything into January. Also, just a quick thank you to everyone who supports us with PayPal and Patreon. We really do appreciate that. Remember, for $5 or more on Patreon, you can get an advert-free RSS feed. Links at latenightlinux.com. And if you want to get in contact, email show at latenightlinux.com. That's the best way. So, let's get straight on with it then. Thanks for joining me, Adam and Chris. Thanks for having me. Nice to be here. So, Adam, why do you love GNOME? Love is a strong word. I settled on GNOME after years of bouncing around different desktop environments. But I, I first started using it because I used uh, the 2005 Ubuntu release that I think had GNOME 2.8. So 2.8, and I think it was still a bit rough around the edges for version 2. But I then it didn't really gel with it at the time. And I ended up going to various different distros and trying various different environments. And obviously this is like mid-2000s, so they were very different to what they are now. And then I eventually came back to it with version three after the whole, it was about 10 years ago. In fact, it was 10 years ago now when they flipped the design paradigm completely and decided, nope, we're going to go with this GNOME shell idea. Yeah, we don't need a desktop paradigm anymore. Let's just do something totally different. <laughs> it's, it's a desktop. It's just a different paradigm. And it actually, I, it sat with me a lot better, but not in the initial release. Uh, today, actually, in prep for this, I installed a 2005-era Ubuntu VM and it immediately got frustrated with GNOME 2 for various little niggly things. And it's kind of unfair, I think, probably, to uh, look at something through the lens of 2021 and go, oh, yeah, it's a bit naff by modern standards. But then I also installed Fedora 15 and tried the first release of GNOME on Fedora, GNOME 3 on Fedora. And I was just as irritated with that. So I reckon it's come a long way since people first started getting viscerally angry at it 10 years ago. Definitely agree with that. It has come a long way, but it's still not for me. Chris, you've had experience with this recently with Fedora Silverblue, and you just didn't like it at all, did you? No, I'm afraid I didn't. So the thing is, obviously, the precursor to conversations like this is often, we don't have to use it. There's plenty of desktop environments and window managers available. Not if you're trying Silverblue, which we'll get to a, a later date, I'm sure. But Kinoite has a fundamental bug, which meant I couldn't really use it extensively. So it's GNOME, especially if you're using Silverblue, if you're using microOS, they only really recommend GNOME. And I haven't really used GNOME apart from on one touchscreen device that I have because I was trialing desktop environments. And there, I will say, definitely, for touch interfaces, now, 
in 2021, of all the things I've tried, Plasma Mobile, you know, all of that stuff, GNOME is really good at that. That's the praise that I will give it. But I did not have a good time when I started using it on Silverblue. Everything I tried to do was different to what I expected it to be. And then when I was like, okay, well, I'll just look for a way to change that. I couldn't change that. And what frustrated me is some of these things I feel like are incredibly familiar computing paradigms, at least from my experience of things that I've done. So to give an example, I opened Telegram after I installed it from a flat pack. I minimized it. Oh, how do I minimize it? Where's the minimize button? And I found that incredibly jarring. And I looked up, how do you minimize Windows in GNOME? Super H. Well, that's not the same. And I did fix it with a G setting set command in a terminal. And then I found out there's this thing called GNOME tweaks, which you can also install, but it's not installed by default on Fedora Silverblue. Once I did minimize Telegram, I didn't know when I had new messages, apart from if I happened to be looking at the screen when a notification came in, because there's no indicator icons with some kind of badge to tell me that there are messages waiting for me. I could fix that. I had to add an extension to do that though. When I went to Alt-Tab, I found it really difficult because all the apps were grouped and I found out you can change that in the settings of GNOME, so no extensions, no GNOME tweaks. But after I did that, it started moving my windows from workspace to workspace. And because Wayland is broken with autotype, I was finding it really <laughs> annoying for KeyPass. So yeah, I, I went into it, I promise you, because it's a thorny issue, I'm aware, the last year especially, there have been a lot of blog articles flying around and I really wanted to go into it with like, wow, people seem to have very strong opinions on either side of this. I just am going to use it because I have to, because if I want to trial this immutable operating system, it's what I'm going to have to try. But I just, there were lots of stumbling blocks along the way. And I've gone back to my normal daily driver now with an enormous sense of relief. I do miss a couple of things, which I'll get onto, but yeah, it's really not for me. See, I, I find that really fascinating because, again, as part of prep, I thought, right, I'll give um, KDE, is it Neon, the one where they basically bundle yeah. all the latest KDE apps and things. I'll give that a shot. So I installed that and um, played around with it. And I got immediately frustrated, not because it was bad, just because it wasn't what I was used to. And there were certain elements where I was like, okay, I, I could fix that. And I understand the customizability is there, but I would only be fighting the tide because this is clearly what KDE has decided or Plasma have decided is a good default for me. And I wondered if I'd just become sort of trapped in the known way of doing things because of Stockholm syndrome and I'd never been able to change it. And that, that thought genuinely did pass through my mind earlier today. Yeah, it's interesting because I did manage to get Kinoite working for a bit. And I've not really used Plasma either. I, I've used Ubuntu Mate for a long time and I'm very fond of it. I'm, it's my version of Joe's XFCE. Like you'd have to prize it from me, really. I'm so comfortable with it. But I have to say that my experiences with Plasma have fit really well because yes, in its default out of the box state, there are a few things like this. You know, there's not a workspace switcher where am I expected to be or... There's various settings, but it didn't take me long to adapt it to what I wanted. Whereas with GNOME, it felt a little bit more like I was fighting what it was meant to be doing, if you see what I mean. Whereas 
there are a lot of settings in Plasma that I can choose to configure. Now, I know that like Nate in his blog posts has sometimes talked about maybe that could be changed up a little bit in some some of the recent things he's written. But that's what I appreciate. It's what I appreciate about Mate, especially Ubuntu Mate, because there is various layouts in a dropdown for the different desktop paradigms you might be coming from. If you wanted to look like macOS, you select that. It becomes like that. If you want it to look like Windows, you can. If you want it to look like Unity, you can. So it's that lack of adaptability, which I found really frustrating. I was messaging the other guys from Linux After Dark, because we were all going through this and saying like, how do you do this? Why can't I do this? I don't understand. Yeah, and I, I do genuinely, genuinely get that. I think a lot of it is just down to your default workflow and how you're used to working. I make the case... Uh, to various people I know about when you should use what desktop environments. And to be brutally honest about it, when I'm using GNOME and I'm sat on my daily driver PC at home, I spend most of my time either browsing the internet, gaming, doing whatever I'm doing, and I don't spend the time tweaking it. So I think the defaults for me in GNOME are just fine. The example I, I looked at immediately was uh, Terminal. So I loaded Terminal on GNOME and it's a bit of a thorny topic anyway, because like 10 years ago, again, somebody noticed that you couldn't set transparent backgrounds in the terminal anymore. And I was thinking about it going, well, I don't want a transparent terminal background. I'm sure there are use cases for it, but it seems like a silly thing to have. And now, of course, I'm going to get people angry because they've got some weird use case for having a transparent terminal. I get that. (laughs) But I looked at console for comparison and console looks cluttered by default, in my opinion. And again, it could just be because I'm used to the, you know, three buttons at the top of terminal on GNOME. But console had a had an entire two-row header bar of different things that I didn't care about because I was at a CLI. And I think it was just because I appreciate the power is there. I don't need it. Okay, this episode is sponsored by CBT Nuggets. Training for IT professionals or anyone looking to build IT skills. Go to cbtnuggets.com slash late night Linux and sign up for a seven day free trial. The on-demand virtual labs mean you can build practical experience with the commands, config, scripts, and everything you need to get the most out of each course. Another standout feature is the accountability coaching service available to all learners with a subscription, which gives you access to a real person who will help you craft a personalized learning plan and set goals, and will check in with you to keep you accountable. So start your free seven-day trial today at cbtnuggets.com slash late-night-linux. It includes unlimited access to all course materials, including virtual labs. That's cbtnuggets.com slash late-night-linux. I can't think of another desktop environment that makes people so angry (laughs) at the moment. Maybe angry is the wrong word, but do you see what I mean? Like, if there's a blog post about it, it will be on one side of the debate, and it will be very, very strong about what that means and people's backs seem to get up even now as i'm criticizing this like there's part of me just thinking should i put a helmet on for the feedback that's going to come into this discussion <laughs> because people could criticize the Marty desktop environment in its default setup and i don't know whether joe feels like this about xfc but for me not ubuntu Marty, but Marty is very old fashioned i don't really like it when i've installed it without the customizations of ubuntu Marty. You know, I accept criticism against that. But even if people start criticizing Ubuntu Mate, like the brisk menu does crash every so often. There are things wrong with it. There are things I can't do. There's no Wayland session. But if people did that on a podcast, I wouldn't 
put boxing gloves on and try and find the house and be like, why are you criticizing my favorite desktop? Like, I don't get that upset about it. Or send an email into a podcast saying, why are you criticizing my favorite desktop environment? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But do you see what I mean? And so it creates this awful like whirlpool of anger because when someone presents something and they also say, this is really good. And then when people say, well, there are some flaws, they're like, no, no, it's really good. It's really, really good. Then then it starts to get people into an argument. Or if they say, is it possible that we could we could change this? No. Oh, but I've heard you can install GNOME tweaks. We don't support that. There's an extension. We don't support that. Why isn't this extension supported on GNOME 41? We don't support extensions. So it starts to become... Yeah, I do appreciate that. And there are things about GNOME that annoy me. I would never claim it is a perfect um, desktop environment. You are right in that people get very opinionated and they will defend their corner. You know, it's the tribal thing. I bought an Xbox, you bought a PlayStation, Xbox is better, blah, blah, blah. We've been having that argument in IT for years. I mean, I'm sure we all remember the Debian System D fiasco. And it's just the same sort of thing. We like holy wars in IT or the vocal minority like holy wars in IT, which is why you get the Reddit threads, which is why you get the people at each other's throats. I I went back and read through a few of the old criticism threads on Reddit, even with the GNOME devs chiming in. And I sort of understand their point of view and they do get it in the neck a lot. But I, I think a lot of developers unfairly do get it in the neck a lot. And it's just because people are very, very strong in their opinions. Yeah, but I think that the reason that the GNOME devs get a lot of pushback is because they are so opinionated about what a desktop should be. And for me, that's not an issue. If you're happy using it, then great. But I'm never forced to use it because I'm not really that interested in running Silverblue. I'm happy to use XFCE on top of whatever distro I'm using, whether that's Ubuntu or Debian or Fedora. There's a great XFCE spin there. Manjaro, great XFCE spin other Arch distros. So it's just not a problem for me. I just don't use it. I've tried it out and I've got it in front of me now in a VM. And I just don't like it because it is so limited. But I do get why they want to have this very limited experience because they have a vision for what using a computer should be like. And they've made something that gives you that vision with very little customizability. I don't want to second guess what the sort of ultimate goal is, but I know that GNOME is the default desktop environment in Ubuntu. It's the default desktop environment in uh, Rocky Linux. It's the default desktop environment in Red Hat by extension. And I think there is a reason that GNOME was chosen in those those particular cases. Again, I don't want to second guess those decisions, but it's a, it's a good lowest common denominator for other people to understand. And while KDE and XFCE and LXQT and all of those are very powerful and customizable, I think when people just sit down in front of a computer, especially one they might not be overly familiar with, say in an enterprise environment where they're made to use Red Hat, they would just want something they can understand in its simplest possible guise. And I think GNOME does give that. It's interesting you say that because about halfway through this Silverblue experiment, I took a step back and I thought, hang on, is it just me? I'm going to get my wife, who has had Ubuntu Mate as her daily driver for quite a while now. I'm just going to sit her in front of this and tell her just to use it for a bit and then give me like a slug line of what she thinks. And so I left her for a few minutes and I came back and said, so what do you think? 
I didn't really give her any context or anything. I just said, this is just a slightly different version of Linux. Have a go. And she just said, it looks like this computer has been built for a programmer or an engineer to use and is still installing things. Where's the desktop? Where are my icons? I don't have anywhere to put anything. I absolutely adore that you said that because I recently gave a laptop to my partner because she needed one for D&D. And um, I installed it with Fedora because it's my default. It's my go-to and I know how to troubleshoot it and support it. And I asked in prep for this, I asked what her opinion of it was earlier today. And it was basically just a shrug. It's fine. It did the job. So it's really interesting that we've had almost antipodean experiences in that regard. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? I was trying to think of desktop operating systems that don't have a minimize button or a minimize and maximize paradigm. Now, I will say that MacOS annoys me because when you press maximize, it makes it full screen unless you hold a key down. And that doesn't make sense to me either. But with Chrome OS, it has that three button paradigm. Now, whether or not that's because they're targeting Windows users and trying to bring them over, I can't speak to that. You know, I'm not part of the design team, but that just seemed really weird. And when you say about Ubuntu, one of the things they put back in is indicator icons on the bog standard Ubuntu desktop. And I, as far as I'm aware, that is becoming harder for them as time goes on because you have to use some kind of extension framework to get that because it's not there. So I don't know. I mean, Fedora is its home, I feel like, you know, so if we're going to give it a crack, you know, Silverblue, which has GNOME 41, it's quite recent, is a fair crack of it. But really what it came down to for me is it feels like Plasma is a dog, right? You get a pet dog and you're like, let's do this. Let's go to the park. Let's throw a stick. Let's do this. And the dog just runs around and does everything you want. And with GNOME, you're like, it's like a cat. You basically say, should we do this? And the cat just walks off. <laughs> and sometimes the cat will come back and, and, and do things. But generally, if the cat doesn't want to do something, it will not do it. And it will bat you around the face with a clawed <laughs> paw if you try and make it. And that's what's difficult for me is that I feel like when you're having to put so many extensions into something, it reminded me of when I used to run custom ROMs on Android and have to put the exposed framework in before Cyanogen Modern Lineage were really a big thing. You would take the stock ROM and deodex the APKs and start messing with the frameworks and, and it would break a lot. And then you try and get support and they'd be like, well, you've hacked loads of bits out of it and put features in that you wanted to. So that's where I end up with it. Now, you know, you can write in and have a go at me all day long. I don't really care. And I don't have to use it. I know that. But I did have to use it because of Silverblue and MicroOS only offering it really as a usable desktop environment at the moment. I've got a friend who doesn't like cheese. He's not allergic or anything like that. And people will not let him hold that opinion. Wherever he goes in the world, he says, I don't like cheese. And literally every single person I've ever been with, with him, when he says that, they always say, what, not even on pizza for some reason. They always ask that, but they will not let him have that opinion. And that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I just don't like it and that's okay. It's just, it feels more than any other desktop environment. And in fact, the weird thing is Plasma is the anathema. If you look at Nate's blog post, he's like, people are saying they don't like this. We're going to look into it. People are saying we don't like this. We're going to look into it. We're going to try and adapt that. And even in the comment section, he gets really attacked. You know, the Wayland session isn't stable. When are you going to fix it? Plasma's terrible. He's like, that's fair and you have other choices, but we're working on it. And so it's quite hard when it's like, Gnome doesn't do this. 
right, I'm going to write like a 55 paragraph blog post about why this person is wrong in their tweet. Like, <laughs> that's where it becomes difficult. Yeah, again, ego-driven people like Holy Wars and people are massively opinionated. Like, I, I think it's fair to say a lot of people in IT are ego-driven, opinionated individuals. That's just the nature of the people that you attract in IT. Maybe, maybe I'm being unfair, especially those that want to, you know, have a public presence. But I'd say there's plenty of people that are just the silent majority that just sit down and get on with it. It is interesting that you said that you did the um, comparison to cats and dogs, because as you were saying that, I just looked at my cat in the corner, who is probably the grumpiest cat I've ever owned, and <laughs> did, did think like, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe it's just the cat of the desktop operating system world. I can go through some things that make it good for me, but also some things that are negative. Like, I like the fact there's a, there's a consistent theme to GNOME, purely because I like the fact that I can go to any operating system that installs GNOME and have the same experience, like the same applications, the same look, the same feel. And I appreciate there are people that like theming their desktop environments. I, I totally get that, 100%. But I don't sit down in front of my computer and stare at my desktop environment lovingly. I tend to open Stellaris and play that instead. I don't want to spend time tweaking my desktop. I think I've covered that. And I, I don't mind the, the defaults. That being said, there are some things that I do change and I do have GNOME tweaks installed. It's weird that a lot of that stuff isn't in the default settings. I disable the activities hot corner. That's been a, a point of contention recently. And I think they're changing that anyway. I had a places indicator for files. I agree the notification solution could use some work. It's, it's kind of fine, but you, you know, you are right in that the indicator that's just a little white dot. I don't think that's an extension. I think that's default behavior. You just get a little white dot by the clock when you've got a notification. It's not the most obvious thing in the world. And having extensions that improve the experience is good, but it is frustrating when they break with every major release because it's tied implicitly to the version number in the in whatever it is, the metadata file, and you just have to increment that every time there's a known version and occasionally tweak it a little bit because it's broken the CSS for whatever reason. I, I do have MumblePing, for example. I've got MumblePing extension installed, which shows when my mates are in the Mumble room, and it's a nice extension, but it's irritating that it breaks. If Fedora is the home for GNOME, maybe that explains why I settled on Fedora, or at least in part. There are default extensions in the Fedora repositories, which you don't have to go to extensions.gnome.org to install, because they're accepted as being... I don't know, maybe better for the user experience. So because you can install those, there's a good chance they will work. Some of them, admittedly, a little bit broken still. And these are the things that maybe I'm blind to when I use it because I just sort of accept the desktop environment for what it is. I wouldn't say that I'm naive enough to say that it's perfect, as I mentioned. I think it's got problems, but at the same time, it works for me quite well. I don't like it when you see people being aggressively anti-gnome, but as I said at the start, that's also dialed back a bit in recent years. And I think more people have come to accept it for what it is. Maybe they just shouldn't have called it GNOME 3 when they created it. Maybe it should have been an entirely different name just to disassociate itself from that namespace. Yeah, and we have to accept the fact that it is one of the most heavily deployed desktop environments for Canonical in a corporate environment. And if it was that bad, they would have changed tack by now. You know, people are getting work done with it on a daily basis. So, and I do like some things about it. I like the fact that the terminal gives you a notification, even if it's not in focus, when a process you've instigated finishes. That's great. I'll be looking at Firefox and it says, oh, by the way, these updates you've run on a server you've SSH'd into, they're done now. So if you want to go back to that terminal, you can do the next thing that you've done. I actually tried to get the overview 
when you press super on Mate. And the only way you can do it is either with Compiz, which is <laughs> going back quite a bit, wow. or you have to hack in like Skippy XD and Brightside. And it just, you know, it's just not going to happen. So there are some things, and I've gone back to my daily driver that I miss, but it's just not enough. Well, I'm just glad that I don't have to use it, is the bottom line. And I'm glad that people like you, Adam, use it and love it or at least accept it and put up with it. Either way, that's the beauty of free software. I think you found a real edge case, Chris, with the Silver Blue situation. And I think that ultimately Kinoite will solve the problems that it's facing at the moment, and that will be an option. And that's just the good thing about open source and free software, is there's almost always another alternative. And for me, it's XFCE. So... Thank you for joining us, Adam. It's been uh, really good to have a perspective from someone who actually uses GNOME and doesn't uh, have negative things to say about it. Well, not many negative things anyway. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the key. <laughs> so if people want to find you online, good luck, because you basically aren't anywhere. Yeah, I, I mean, we were, I know you said you were going to rib me on this one. I, I, I don't generally have the time or the inclination at the moment. Maybe that'll change at some point in the future. I have a professional presence and that's about it. So if you want to offer me a job, then find me on LinkedIn. But apart from that, I'm afraid I am not available. All right. Well, if anyone has anything to say, you can always email show at latenightlinux.com and I can always forward it on to you. That's perfectly acceptable as well. And I'm sure no one's going to write in about this episode at all. It's going to pass without comment and we'll just move on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Thanks, guys. Cheers. <laughs>